morning. Kids are dismissed to Children's Church. Getting some water. morning. Um, another announcement. Uh, if you are planning to work or wanting to work or help in the coffee bar, there's going to be a quick meeting immediately after on the bottom stairs there with uh, Cassie right after the church. So sounds good. Another announcement. I'm not really good at doing announcements, so bear with me. Believe it or not, I can't really have a hard time with it. Um, we're going to do, we're starting our youth group a lot of, a couple weeks back we signed up for that. And it's not going to start this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday on the 28th. So keep that noted. We're going to put the, the stuff out again to sign next week. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, and all these new studies that are happening, amen? Do, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that would probably be pretty good, huh? See, I'm not good at announcements at all. See, I left a lot of information out. You guys are wondering. No, it's not for toddlers or three or four year olds. We're not equipped for that. Thank you, Jim. Um, but uh, junior high to high school. And then we're gonna kind of work it out as we, as we start it, right? So me and Michelle, Cole and Sierra and Chris, we're all working together to make this happen, right? So we need prayers, right? So, I mean, when I was a youth pastor years ago, it was a lot different. We didn't have cell phones. You, you know, I got a, a, a phone book and a manila pad, and they said, get all the kids here. There was no kids in the church. And I'm like, okay, and they gave me some numbers and names, so I called and I asked them, hey, we're, I'm the new youth pastor, um, we're having a youth group, can your kids come? They'd yell and call their kids, their kids would come to the phone, and I'd be like, hey, we're going to make a really cool youth group. It'd be nice if you came. It's the first time doing this. And believe it or not, it started with like three or four kids, and then we grew it to like 20 or 30 over time. And that was because we, yeah, I don't know, we just worked together. It was a good time. And um, so nowadays, we got cell phones, and everybody's got sports every day of the week. And you guys are probably so exhausted to even think of doing something else. And since you are driving your kids for the most part, it's also, how are, you, how are you at with that? We, we do know the kids need something, right? And uh, they need encouragement, especially in the way in which the world is going. So any, any opportunity to encourage them and uh, help them grow and lead them uh, in the truth, that is what we are all about, amen? So let me think, I can't, did I miss anything? Probably, but all right, let's get to the most important. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for everyone that is present today, Lord. And I thank you for all those that are serving and working in the ministry. And Lord, we do this unto you. We want to glorify you, not only in our lives, but with the gifts that you've given us. And so, Father, every heart that is aching, every heart um, that is just needing a touch from you today, we pray. And we know that you are here. For, Lord, when two or more are gathered, you are here. You inhabit the praises of your people. We are here praising you this morning, and now we want to 
get into your word and learn and grow together in you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 15 and 16, we're going to finish up Romans. And while you're there, you can make note of Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16, 17, 18, and 19. I'm going to read that while you're going to Romans because it's important. When I first saw this, you know, when I first read this many years ago, it really impacted me because it's pretty clear. It says seven things that God hates and that he detests. That's pretty important that we would want to think about. And it says there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. One, haughty eyes. That means proud look, arrogant. Someone that is always speaking down on others and finds themselves to be superior to everyone around them. That's in the translation, actually, in the Hebrew. All of that would fit underneath haughty eyes. A proud look, right? That is one of the things that is detestable, and we know that pretty much comes down to pride. What's the first thing that caused all the issues? Pride. Pride comes before a fall. You could be great at something, doesn't mean you need to be prideful in it, right? Pride is what keeps us from being teachable. You know, pride is why we get so offended about things that maybe we really shouldn't. It's our pride. We don't feel like we're maybe being heard the way that we should. It's something we all need to work on in some way or another, amen? No amen there? Amen. You guys too proud to say amen? <laughs> Two, a lying tongue. You know, liar, liar, pants on fire. You know, lying tongue. Someone who just lies. You should never lie, period. But lying tongue is a big one. There's a lot of reasons why people lie. There's no good reason at all. It's a sin, and it's something that people need to repent of. Some people lie because they want to be seen. Some people lie because it's almost, they, if they tell it to themselves or say it enough, they actually start believing it. The one thing with liars, they better have a really good memory because eventually they fail to remember all the lies that they have told. So a lying tongue. Another one is hands that shed innocent blood. That's a given. Hands that are seeking violence to harm others physically. And then, then there's this one, which is for a heart that devises wicked schemes. Someone who sits and actually plans to do wicked things and doesn't care because he thinks there's no consequences. To plan to do evil is one of those things, right? To just plan to do evil things. Five, feet that are quick to rush into evil. That's when we know something is wrong and we choose to just run into it anyways and then try to pray and just say, God, I did it again. Those are all things that I think out of all of those, besides the pride, I'd say that a lot of us could go, well, we justify you know what it is, whatever it is in your life that you go to that you know you shouldn't do and you keep doing it. You're running into something that is evil. You're, you're not reverent, you're, no, you're having no respect or reverence for God because you're saying that what he says doesn't matter. I'm not picking on anyone. We all have work to do. So be encouraged, right? So this is to thank God for Jesus, right, who gives us strength. You guys got all quiet like, I came to church to be encouraged today. Hey, it cuts both ways. Feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, a 
false witness, people who lie. Now, we saw that happen all the time with Jesus, people that came and made false accusations, saying, you know, all, that he disturbed Rome, even with Paul. It was something that was always having people that give a false report about someone else to cause them harm or financial ruin. Whatever it is, giving a false report, knowing it's a lie, that you want to harm that person so bad that you give a false testimony or false report. And I'm, I said all that to get to this one because this is the one that's in Romans, okay? Seven is a man who stirs up, or a woman, who, distir, who stirs up dissentment, dissension or division among the community or brothers. Someone who causes division. Now, what does that actually mean to cause division? We're going to look into that into detail. There's all kinds of reasons why people might be divisive, no matter what happens. But this is someone who comes. There's actually people who get off on coming into your situation and your situation, and they go, I'm going to get these two to fight. And they'll just throw a wrench in there, and then they leave. Right? It could happen in family all the time. It starts with things like, oh, did you hear? Did you hear about it? Oh, oh I, you know what? I don't want to cause a hard time. Well, don't worry about it. It's not, I'm sure she didn't mean it. She didn't mean it. She was just upset that day. Let's not talk. You know what I mean? Division. They want to just cause pain. Division. So now turn with me. You're in Romans already. You don't have to turn there. So in Romans 15, I'm going to brush over this because we went over this and we're getting into 16. But if you remember in Romans, if you remember clearly in Romans, what we're talking about was unity, right? And last week we talked about how the church was having a problem being unified, that people were putting their own idea of how the service should basically be done over others and then making and being so dogmatic about it they were not getting along. This is between the Jews and the Gentiles, right? And so this was the main premise of the letter, among other things, how to live a godly life in, to, to the Romans. And so as Paul is writing this, he's encouraging them to be unified. Now, what did I say last week that unity is not? Yeah, it doesn't mean we're all gonna look the same. We're not all gonna sound the same. We're not gonna have all the same idea of worship. We're not all gonna like the same worship songs. Some will like hymns more than modern songs. And some will like modern songs more than hymn songs. Some might not like my preaching. Some might like someone else's preaching, right? There's all kinds of things that we can say, hey, that's not how I prefer it or what I like. It's when you make it an absolute that it has to be this way and that you don't budge at all, you become unteachable, and you're not thinking about anybody else but yourself, that's when we're in a dangerous place. That could be even something that's a good thing. You can have a good idea to do something, but you might, most of the time, when people have a good idea about something they want to do, they get tunnel vision, and they don't always think about how it affects everyone. Right? And then you go, and, and my question is always, did God really put it on your heart to do that? You know, these are all things you got to think about. But if we all do self-reflection regularly in our life, we can avoid a lot of these pitfalls, right? And so when we're talking about unity, he was trying to encourage them. I know I kind of got off for a second there. He was trying to encourage them to be unified, if you remember. So as we're in Romans 15, just a couple main key verses that I'm going to read. 
It says, accept one another, this is 15, verse 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may be glorified God for his mercy. In other words, the word was long written down through all the prophets and Jesus fulfilled that. And not only did he fulfill that because the Jews had missed the mark, he filled it and made redemption and restored us. But in the fact of him doing that, he made a way for the Gentiles to be in the fold. So there's two things for, in, in other words, both groups have something to glorify in the Lord. They're, they can glorify him and then be thankful for what he's done. And it's all contingent upon grace, right? God gave them grace and mercy. And when we realize, and this will help over, this will help, it's helped me, and I believe it would help anyone. When we really understand that we have been given mercy and grace, not because you're a good person, not because you can cross all your T's and dot all your I's, but because God loves you. He loves you and he knows who you are, even when you might pretend that he doesn't. He sees us when no one is around. He knows every hurt from every, from your small, as young as you were, to who you are now. He knows you enough that he knows the hairs on your head. And he knows your name. He knows who you are. And he loves you so much that he gave us his only begotten son so that we can be restored. But he will not push and he will not force. He will not make you serve him. He provides a path, he provides the map, he gives us everything we need, he gives us the Holy Spirit who approves and disapproves. It might be something like, should I do that? And you just don't feel in your spirit that you should. The Holy, we have the government of the Holy Spirit in our life to give us wisdom and discernment to help us navigate this world. And a way to maintain that and walk in it one is we need the body of Christ. It's not a solo mission. We need each other. That's why it says iron sharpens iron. Don't forsake gathering together. Those are mentioned for reasons. Because everyone, it's easier to isolate all day long. But I don't know about you. If I spend too much time alone, my mind can get the best of me. And I often don't come out positive. Right? I don't always come out positive when I spend a lot of time. I need the interaction of you folks in my life and others, just like you do. To pretend that you don't is prideful because we all need each other. Well, I can't know everybody. No, you, I'm not saying that. But you should make an effort. You're, you're gonna have maybe five really close friends, but you should know and know that we are all in tune as Christians. We believe in Jesus and we are unified in that. We believe that he died and he rose again and in that, we have power and new life. We believe that we're sinners and that we need him. That is what unity is based on. The fundamental gospel of Jesus Christ is what we are unified on, right? That's the most important thing that we understand. That's what he was letting them know. That's what he was saying to them. He was encouraging them. And he even says this. This is what he says. Because you got to remember, Paul had a lot of people that were coming around saying bad things about him. And given Paul wasn't a great starter, now was he? He was the guy kicking doors in. He was there when Stephen was being stoned to death. 
and they gave him the jackets and the cloaks. He was basically holding the clothes while people threw the rocks. Christians saw that. And now you're going to tell us that God spoke to you on the road to Damascus and he's anointed you? Think about this man who had privilege, who had cover. He had a good life. He was a Roman citizen. He was highly educated. He had a good life. He took that and followed Christ, went blind and had to do all these things that the Lord put on his heart and told him what he had to do. And he did it. And the Lord chose to use him. Why? Why? He wasn't the perfect candidate. Because he, was, he responded and he knew that he needed Jesus. And when you know that you need the Lord and you're willing for him to work in your life, it doesn't matter where we were, God makes us a new creature in Christ Jesus. It's, it's understandable why people would think, what? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is telling us? Obviously, it was a huge impact. In fact, the ministry that God had put up on Paul in Ephesus was so huge, and Ephesus was a pretty hustle and bustle in city, that the people who made idol worship and made the actual idols and sold them at the market weren't making any sales. In fact, that was a big problem, and Paul was being persecuted. They're like, hey, we're losing money here. Get this guy out of town. That's what was happening. In that pressure and persecution and him knowing that he was forgiven, I think helped him know and, and navigate this, the situations with all the people around. Think about it. You're writing letters. You're building churches. You're planting. And then you leave and to find out someone comes in and says, yeah, Paul. You know about Paul, don't you? Or whatever. And even writing fake letters and saying Paul signed it. Now, I would be really mad about that. I would be really angry. And so Paul deals with it in these letters. When you read them, he's writing a letter dealing with specific issues in the church. And don't think those issues are far removed from where we are in our life. It's the same situations that we have in the workplace, in your marriage, in your home. All the fundamental things that happen in people as they try to work together and they argue and all this stuff. It is right here for us to learn from. Clear as day. There's, you don't have to doubt it. The more you immerse yourself in the word of God, the more when you're wanting to know what he's saying, he's going to bring those scriptures to your mind. And you might go, well, what am I going to say? I don't know. And he just does it. The Holy Spirit moves like that. He can move like that in your life. If you're not experiencing and ask yourself, is there unconfessed sin that you know you're harboring? Is there something else that you're holding on to? Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is something that will hinder all of us. And I'll say it, and I say it all the time, because there's probably someone here that hasn't heard me say it, so bear with me. A lot of the times we don't forgive people because we think they're going to get away with something. And somehow we think we can hold it over them when really we're just hurting ourselves. And when you don't forgive, think about it. That's a place of pride. It's not saying you weren't harmed or hurt. No one's lessening that hurt. It's where you give that hurt to Jesus and you let him deal with it. You don't have to carry it anymore. So those are some things that would keep us from, from being fluid in the Holy Spirit or experiencing that understanding of him. Amen? And so he says, this is what Paul says to encourage them, and I said that because he says, therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. This is Romans 15, verse 17. 
I will not venture to speak anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. In other words, in the King James Version, I like it better, it says, I do not preach anything that has not been worked in me. He's a practical preacher. He's preaching what God has worked in his life, and from that, he places and speaks it in authority because he's working in it, and he speaks in God's authority. He's obeyed it. He's allowed it. He's worked it into his life. It doesn't mean that he's perfect, but from that place, he can speak into things because he has victory there. Amen? There's nothing worse than sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and we might speak about things we know nothing about. You can still always go back to Jesus and say what Jesus said, right? But we've all probably had that one individual in our life that knows Scripture really, really well, but doesn't live it at all. Or they know Scripture really, really well, and they use it to hit everyone else but themselves. Maybe not so much, but some of us might have had that. It's a turnoff. It's a turnoff to people who don't know who Christians are, real Christians anyways. And they look at that like, and Paul's like, you know me, this is, I preach who I am. I preach where I'm at. What God's doing, I'm working and I speak those things. So he, he's very personal. I like that he says that. These other people, we don't really know specifically who they are, but he is writing this letter to address it. Now, if we go over to Romans chapter 16. At the end of Romans 15, he asks for them to pray for him. He's encouraging them. Then he goes into personal greetings, which we're not going to get into at this moment. It's a good read. But he greets those that he's worked with in the church, and he knows them all by name. And he's encouraging them, the women that were uh, uh, Phoebe or Phoebe, who was, was working there, and, and with her husband, all these things. These women were doing mighty things. So he's encouraging them, and he's saying greetings to them. But then he goes into this. As his final statement, almost like a P.S. in the letter, he writes these words. He says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Jesus, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive or simple people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I am full of joy over you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Now, if you remember, probably one of the main things were the Jewish people were saying, well, you need to be circumcised if you really want to be right with God. And the Gentiles are like, well, no, we don't have to. We're under a new covenant. We don't need to. And they're saying, no, you need to do this. And they were like basically snubbing them because they weren't. They were like, well, you guys got part of it. You know, you got part of it. You're not going to get the fullness unless you do what we do the way we do it, right? Do you think that happens in some circles today? Yeah. I don't know how, what people think, but you know what I've learned? The more I think I know, the more I realize I don't know much at all. And that's okay, because I want to stay in a teachable position and, you know, there was a time I thought I was, just say, really special. And I talked about myself and all my things and all my, because I was deeply insecure. And when I realized that, hey, it's okay to say, hey, I'm going to speak about who I know. I know Jesus. This is what he's done in my life. This is what he's doing in my life. You know, that puts me in a different place. I don't have to carry a lot of those things I had to carry before. 
you know, in trying to impress people or worrying about what everyone thinks all the time. You know, a lot of the times people worry about things. When you get older, maybe you don't. But a lot of the times, you know, people worry so much about everything else and they, they don't worry about what God says. And he says the most for you. He is for you. He's not against you. He's made a way for you. And so when we talk about this urging, he says, hey, any of these people that come, keep away from them. Now, this is more than just being a, 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 a difficult person. We all have had difficult people, or maybe you have a difficult person in your life. Now, in this context, this is someone that is actually coming in to divide. I think some people come in and they might have a divisive attitude, and they don't probably fully know it. They're just really self-centered, and they can only think about what they want to see happen, and that tells me that they probably didn't pray about it, because if you're not thinking about everyone in the body of Christ and how it affects everybody, then that's a key ingredient that you need, right? So a lot of the times when we ask ourselves, sometimes we might be divisive because we're hurt and we want to be heard. And what I mean by that is, you know, have you ever had some, maybe I'm just speaking to myself again, but maybe you, someone says something and you feel like you have to fill the air with your justification and like why it's this way and why this and you're defend, they're like, what are you talking about? Has that ever happened? in your life where you're like, you, it's because somewhere you didn't feel heard and you didn't give it to the Lord. And I'm not saying I'm perfect because there's things that God's like, why don't you give me that? Why are you still carrying that? Because I'm stubborn. I just figure I keep trying it, it might work. No, it doesn't, that's insanity. But a lot of the times we do that. We think we're gonna change people or other things, but you know what, God sees everything. And when you submit to God, he's the one that moves people for you. Do you know that? You don't have to do certain things. If God wants that for you, he'll give it to you if you're obedient and you're seeking him. And if it glorifies him, he'll do that for you. What that is, I don't know, maybe it's speaking to one of you in here, but when you really think about it, a lot of the times we might become negative and, and just, have you ever met just so negative about everything? It's because somewhere we didn't get something the way we wanted, so we just made a big, broad brush of negative paint, and that's the whole world. Everyone in it, every job, every dream is painted. Every thought is like that. And now we're not learning, we're isolated, and everything when someone wants to say, hey, look what this is that, we're like, we tell them all the reasons why it's not gonna work. All the reasons why you should not even try. Have you ever met people like that? Yeah, I mean, we all have. Sometimes we're that person, if we're being honest. We don't want to be that person. We want to be able to encourage and, and really just think. You know, God gave us two ears and one mouth, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of simple, but when you think about it, I have to, I'm learning with my mouth. It's probably something that the Lord uses and the flesh likes to use it too. And I have to be careful. As we're continuing from Romans 16, it says, for such people are not serving our Lord, but their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. So he's speaking specifically about the false teachers in this group. And then also in 2 Peter, he mentions another group of false teachers. And these false teachers were probably, I don't know if they were Gnostic because that came out in the second century more or less, but it was probably a specific group that came out of paganism where they were like, hey, we're forgiven. We can just do whatever we want. Sleep with whoever we want. Go to the, go to the shows. 
party, it's all good, we're under the blood. And that was kind of their attitude. And he's like, no, we are supposed to be different. You're not supposed to be, you know, the way you were. Amen? We're not supposed to look like the world. You're supposed to be changing. We are to change as Christians. If you're not growing, then you're stagnant, right? When you're stagnant, what, what is that? Would you drink stagnant water? No, but if spiritually some of us can become stagnant and we're not growing, it's because somewhere we've got more of the world in us than the word in us, right? And a lot of us know what the world brings. Now, me, I'm a very accomplished sinner. I was on everything but roller skates. And I probably would have been on those if someone handed them to me. And I say that because I know in my life I made the stupid decisions the bad addiction choices, and I have no problem talking about it, because I was fighting everything that God wanted to do, I wanted to go in the opposite direction. Sow my wild oats, be free, and all it did is bring darkness. And you don't have to be as crazy as I was, you could do it in your own home. Where you spilled the little wall around you and the people in your life, and you don't budge, and you are stubborn, and you will not move, and your feet are so deep in the sand, and you're not going to grow. It's the same kind of darkness. It's that pride that keeps us. It's that pride that keeps us from being healed from the Lord, accepting his grace and his mercy. It's that pride that even though we know we're forgiven, we, tr we still try to earn it because we don't trust his love instead of just doing it because we love him. There's a difference. When I tried to quit doing things and because I was afraid of being punished, eventually that could fade. But now I'm honestly, I, 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 I grieve. He's brought me to a place where I grieve now things that grieve him. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, I am far from it, but there are certain things that just heavy, because you can pray, God, give me your heart to see and your eyes to see and your ears to hear. Touch me with the things that grieve you so that I may understand your love for us. And I can tell you, it's heavy to know that God loves us and I am not a lovable person. There's times I'm not a lovable person and I don't deserve it and he loves me. First, I'm like, pride's like, no, I'm gonna earn it. I'm not gonna be like these hypocrites. I'm not ready to go to church. I'm not ready to make a commitment that I can't be perfect at. Well, guess what? You're never gonna be perfect at it. Perfection's only in Christ. It's in him. When it says, be thou perfect as I am perfect, that translation is mature. You are to be mature, you are perfect through the blood, but yeah, you're supposed to be moving forward, not backwards. You're supposed to be growing. Your sensitivity should be changing. Your ability to think about others other than yourself is actually filling your mind more than just what you might want. I mean, it seems crazy. We live in a world, it's all about what you want, right? I want to be true to myself. You know, I just want to be satisfied. Every song pumps it into your flesh over and over again, it's about you. Be true to yourself. Be true to what you want. It doesn't matter who it harms. It doesn't matter who it hurts. You'd be true to you because you're God. That's what the world says. And then the whole time, people broken, 
going through it, thinking they're going to get somewhere. All the self-help books, all the stuff lead to the same place. A heart that's desperately wicked. Who can know it? God knows it. And that's why he sent his son, so that we can be restored. We can be healed. We can be changed. You'll see in the world in the future, in the next probably eight to ten years, you're going to see churches become so much like the world, it's going to be a hipster fad fog machine. Yeah, we just love Jesus, whatever. But you're not going to see changed lives. Because the word of God is offensive in a good way. It shows me what I need to change so I can hear from him and be right from him. And there's nothing more important in your life than to be right with God and to share that love you've experienced with someone else that's undeserving because you're undeserving. There's no reward that you can take on your deathbed than knowing that you led people to Christ. And people get old, well, what can I do to make a difference? If you can't move fast, you can pray hard. And don't think that prayer doesn't change things. It does. We all know it, but yet the enemy keeps us so distracted from doing it, and, and then he wants to bring division in the churches constantly. He wants to do that because he knows when we're in unison and we're praying and we're seeking God in that sense, and we're like, it's not about what I want. I'm here to help you, brother. I'm here to help you, sister. I want you to grow in the Lord. What can I do to help? Knowing that your needs will be met because he's faithful and putting them on a shelf to help someone else. I can preach it a hundred times, but that's the gospel message. That's what Jesus showed us. That's what Paul showed us. That's what the disciples showed us. These men, these men gave up their lives so that people could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only that, in the future, William Tyndale wanted every common person to have the Bible, and he risked his life and was martyred so that we have this Bible today. We don't understand the amount of people and the sacrifices that they have made so that we can have this knowledge. And they did it because they were obedient and they were right with Christ and they knew what mattered most, and it was Jesus and their walk with him. And they gave everything else to him. Their finances, your relationship, your money doesn't mean anything if you're not right with him. There is nothing that can hold you in the darkest storm other than Christ. Nothing. And if I tell you what you want to hear, then I do a disservice to you and my own ears. Because I'm preaching to myself. In fact, everything I preach on, I walk out the door and I feel like I got to deal with. I preach on patience, you would not believe. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. I want it to be worked in me. I want, to be worked, I want it to be worked in me. And you know what, there's a peace. I don't I even know how to explain it. Some of you know it. You, when you taste and know that the Lord is good and you have that peace, it will hold you and I don't care what's happening. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter you will know that, hey, you know what? The kingdom of God is not of this world, so I don't need to make it here. It's right here when I serve him. Right here. When I'm right with him, and it's nice to know when the Lord says, hey, do this with this person. Do this for this person. You, you, it doesn't matter. I get, I'm a perfect example of someone who's experienced anger and watched the Holy Spirit change. Just say frustration. I don't want you all to think I'm all angry all the time. 
because I'm not. I was a lot more in the past, but not so much. But when people are dropping their garbage and breaking glass and leaving garbage around when preschool's on, I'm going to hear about it. Not only that, I think it's just rude. I go to the guy and I'm like, hey, you need to pick this stuff up now, get it in your basket and get gone. Just like that. And the Lord's like, ask him if he's hungry. And I literally went like this in the truck. I don't want to ask him if he's hungry. I don't want And then I'm like, ask him if he's hungry. Tell him you're going to go get him a cheeseburger. This is how I feel. Maybe it's, tell him you're going to get him a cheeseburger. And you, if you could have that all picked up, that would be wonderful. I told him that. And he's all, absolutely. And he picked it up. It was all picked up when I got back. I got to share with him about the Lord. But when I went driving there to him, I was coming in hot. I wanted to make it clear. No tolerance. You got to protect the kids. Right? See how the Lord can just go, poof. and I know I'm not the only one. You could be the same way. You say, God, and I love it because Eddie says it all the time. Give me my lefts and my rights. Let me know. Let me not miss it. Because we'll miss it. We get distracted. But when you get up in the morning, you say five minutes today, this is your day, Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. That's why it says, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Don't try to predict it. Don't try to figure it all out, all the motives and everything behind it. Just get up and go, God, this is your day. Help me hear you today. Help me know what you're doing. Help me respond. Because when you do that, you grow. And your confidence, not in you, but in the Lord grows because you know what it's like when you're obedient. And when we're faithful and in the little... The Lord gives us more. And that's everyone goes, that's monetary. No, maybe. But I think character-wise is a lot better, right? Your name is worth more than gold and rubies in the Bible. Did you know that? Your, who you are, your character, is worth more than anything you possess. How do people perceive you? And if there's something off, you got to look in the mirror when no one's around and go, is it true? Are you man enough or woman enough to go, Lord, is there truth in this? Because if you're not, you're not going to grow. If you can't do that in your own situation, I don't care if they're a difficult person, you say, Lord, is there any truth? Am I in fault in any way? Will you reveal it to me so that I can navigate this the right way with your wisdom? And do that. And actually, if he says, yeah, or you've sensed, you're convicted, you did something wrong, go make it right. Go apologize. Make something, make a step. We always want someone else to make the step. Sometimes I get mad, I feel like I'm always making steps. Why am I always making the steps, Lord? I don't feel like anyone's making the steps like I'm making. Pride. He says, how do you know what everybody's doing? Think about all the people when they're like that to the Lord. There's no one like me, Lord. I'm not saying I said that. And he's like, oh, there's people you haven't even known that haven't bowed a knee, right? All throughout scripture, we get to see that weakness in their life to encourage us today. Amen? You do know you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, and that's not because you're going into an MMA fight. That's because you're in the world and you're in a fight every day. And when you want to work and serve and live for him, you need his strength to do that. Just as we read earlier in Romans 15 about endurance. Amen? Would you stand with me, please? I'm going to give you a little homework to read because I didn't get into it, but I want you to write it down. It's in Philippians chapter 3. Read Philippians chapter 3 next week, or 
this week, one of my next week, I hope you read the Bible more than Sundays. Just as you get ready to go this week, wherever you're at, I don't, I don't know where you're all at. You guys seem, you guys know a lot about me. It's not really fair. I encourage you to know that whatever, it says in Philippians also that you take every thought captive. I personally, and I have a deal with my wife now that from being married for 27 years, almost 28, I can tell you, you know, if you're in that place, you know that you're kind of, it's a great place to be. And I can tell you that we don't put up with each other's shenanigans, but we don't do it in a, a crazy way. It'd be something simple as like, ah, oh, okay. We make a little joke now and we laugh at it because at our age, I, I know I'm being wrong. I'm wrong. I'm going to go have a timeout <laughs> in my garage because I'm not doing anything to help the situation. And I just keep digging and digging, right? So in your walk, in your relationships, wherever you are, I can tell you one of the most healthy things you can do, and I do it. I don't like to do it, but I do it. Self-reflection. Read James. We'll be into James eventually. We're going to go through James. Look in the mirror. Where are you at? What are you contributing? Because maybe it's not for you to fix it. Maybe it's for you to stand back and not have to have the right answer or, or any of those things. You're just able to step back and wait for God and wait for his telling you what to do. Right? Amen? And if it means to ask for forgiveness, do it. You don't think it makes a difference? It's not for you to decide. Ask the Lord. He'll convict you. He'll put it on your heart, and then you go do it. And then you watch what happens. I've never been disappointed when he's told me to do something, and I kind of fought him to do it. And then when I do it, I'm like, oh, that was so much easier. And I'm blessed for it. But my flesh doesn't like it. Amen? Dear Heavenly Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you give us uh, your love and your mercy, Lord, that we may know what it's like to be forgiven, that we may know what it's like in our weaknesses, that, Father, we can bring them honestly before you and be honest with ourselves, that, Lord, we don't always have to be right, but that we would put ourselves in a place, Lord, to be teachable, remain teachable, and, Lord, that we would be hungry for your word in a way that just goes so much deeper. Nothing surface here, Lord. May we just grow in your word, in the knowledge of you, so that we may truly discern the good, the evil, they know the difference, Lord. Know when our heart says no and when you're saying no. Know the voice of the Holy Spirit, that still small voice that may we hear him, you, Lord, and what you teach us and guide us to do. So, Lord, as we get ready to leave this week, I ask that our hearts would be before you, that we would be sensitive to you, and let us see what you're doing in this world, in our town, in our job, in our workplace. Help us be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. And if there's those that do not know you, that today they would make that decision. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. May you go and be a blessing. If you need prayer, we're here to pray for you.